This episode of The Concession Stand is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host, or you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head on over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn to sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress deluxe site and get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn, or just use the promo code popcorn at checkout for your first month free. And now, enjoy the show. We're back! You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games. Don't let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. to the Concession Stand Podcast, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are glad to have you on board for episode number 60. I'm Nick Howell, and sitting across from me, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? It has been too long, my friend. It is time to get back into this. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk about another sci-fi classic series coming soon to Netflix, our initial reaction to seeing Ready Player One today, and there's an online petition getting some major attention from Star Wars fans, but first, Nick... Let's tell us a little bit about our network and where people can find us. Yes, you can find this and many other shows over at orbitaljigsaw.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash official concession stand, or on Twitter at concession stand. Come on over, hang out with us, let us know your thoughts on the show on iTunes, leave us that five stars and let us know what you think. And if you like what we're doing, head over to patreon.com slash concession stand, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar, or sign up to do your very own Stone Cold Salute on an upcoming episode. But with that said, let's crack a beer and get right into it. Yes! All right. Well, Andy, it's good to be back. It is. Um, we recently had the 90th Academy Awards Oscars ceremony, and for nearly a century, the, the standards of, of this platform have been set and followed with some minor tweaks here and there, but mostly staying the same. Recently, though, there were several A-list directors, such as Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan, uh, have spoken out saying that in varying ways, Netflix movies should not be considered for Oscars. So we were originally going to do sort of a recap and our thoughts and analysis on the Oscars and the, and the winners, but instead of just recapping what you already know, we thought we'd have a bigger discussion around the Oscars themselves. Namely, uh, what qualifies a film for the Oscars? But before we get there, this whole discussion is based on an article that came out, I think, last week, where Steven Spielberg said, you certainly... This is a quote. You certainly, if it's a good show, deserve an Emmy, but not an Oscar. I don't believe that films that are just given token qualifications in a couple of theaters for less than a week should qualify for the Academy Award nomination. Huh. So really, we should probably talk about the rules right there. Would you agree? Yes. So if we break this down, the Academy specifies those that are eligible for nominations to be only feature-length films, which means 40 minutes, all right? Or more. Or, or at least 40. Over 40 minutes is the exact stipulation. Narrative live action, animation, or documentaries are considered for what they call the general entry categories, okay? These include the awards for acting, 
cinematography, costume design, directing, film editing, makeup and hair, music, best picture, production design, sound editing, sound mixing, visual effects, and writing. Basically all the stuff that shows up on the telecast. Sure, yes. Everything that's in part of the award show are what we consider the general entry categories. That's just important to know for the rest of the conversation. So if we go back to the Spielberg quote, uh, nowhere in those rules does it stipulate anywhere uh, that a film has to sustain or even have a certain theatrical release. So if for for these kinds of uh, narrative kind of descriptions, uh, this anecdotal is the word I was looking for. It's just because if because just because you've been an A list director for forty years, in your mind you have this qualifier of what you think is uh, uh, deserving is the word that he used. Deserves an Oscar nomination or an Academy Award, right? But then we, if we move on to Christopher Nolan, he also recently says, uh, and I quote, Netflix has a bizarre aversion. I think that's an interesting phrase, bizarre aversion, to supporting theatrical films. They have this, quote, mindless policy of everything having to be simultaneously streamed and released, which is obviously, to him, an untenable model for theatrical presentation. Just to go on, he later retracted this statement, apologized to Netflix, Hancho, Ted Sarandos, for calling the statement undiplomatic, not saying he that called, he didn't yeah. mean to say it. Yeah. He just said it was undiplomatic and of him to say. So just those two quotes right there, we've got a lot to talk about. Well, there's one more from the movie theater. Uh, the president of the NATO, the National Association of Theater Owners, John Fithian, says... We see Netflix as basically trying to use theaters as a marketing platform for awards and get their subscribers juiced about their movies, but we don't see them seriously interested in the business of theatrical exhibition. So these are three quotes that are essentially saying Netflix movies shouldn't qualify, right? Based on... Based on... We're, we're not sure. Historically, I think the one-week thing has been a qualification because they did that for uh, for Man- uh, Manchester by the Sea, I think, did that so they could get... Uh, Amazon did. Sure. Um so Amazon, Netflix, it doesn't matter. They're both streaming services. I guess what we're getting at is there is a, there is a, it seems to be a, these A-list people seem to be protecting this sort of um, prestige of the Oscars, right? That seems to be their argument. Maybe the tradition of the Oscars. Sure. Yeah. And there is certainly a traditional element to that. And it seems that they're, again, trying to protect that. Um, there's a complete other side of what you know. some film critics are saying about this, a, a counterpoint to all of these arguments, which we'll get to in a minute. But I really want to discuss what you think. To me, a movie is a movie, and Spielberg's other thing that he says is basically that if a movie is shown on TV, it should be up for an Emmy. TV also includes, if you watch Netflix movie on your TV or if you watch an Amazon movie on your TV, it should qualify for an Emmy. Just as, for instance... Um, the HBO movies that they make, like this, uh, the Behind the Candelabra movie that they made with Michael Douglas and Matt sure. Damon about Liberace, or the upcoming uh, Paterno that's coming out this weekend, I think. Those are full-length feature films, right? Yep. But those would get nominated for an Emmy. Why not an Oscar? Because uh, there's an interesting crossover between the Emmys and the Oscars, where Emmys has TV and film categories. Right. And <sighs> it's the difference of the institutions. We have to keep in mind that these are two different kinds of institutions doing two different kinds of things. So I don't think that... The, I think the underlying line in the sand between them is the theatrical distribution of a, a property. Right. Emmys aren't going to award for theatrical distribution and Oscars aren't going to award for TV distribution. 
or should they? It, or should either of them? I, don't, I think that's the big kind of debate is where that line in the sand is. So essentially what's happening is Netflix and Amazon have become major heavyweights now in making movies. And they have sort of disrupted the traditional studio system and um, distribution of said movies, yeah. right? And I think that there's a certain side of uh, people who have, it's obviously going to be about money, maybe prestige of the award itself, that are going to have an opinion that maybe it shouldn't work this way. Um, I, I, I haven't made my opinion yet. I'm hoping this discussion will help with that. Yeah, I'm hoping we get to that for me as well by the end of this this show, this discussion. But I also look at this like there was in the 50s, I mean, there were Oscars before there was television, before television actually existed. So at a certain point when TV started, they had to create the Emmys for them, but they still did Best Picture because that was still a thing you could do was go into a movie theater and watch a movie. Yeah. And so there was the Best Picture, but then there was the Best Show. I don't know when the Emmys started, but sure, right? So I think what we're seeing now is almost kind of a another changing of the guard in a way where it's now we have this other way to watch movies that we didn't have before just based on the technology that has you know grown just like television technology and grown back had grown back then and I'm sure there were people and I don't and we could probably dig this up but I'm sure there were the John Fords and and Cecil B DeMille's of of the world that were like no we don't need to make, but they weren't really making TV movies back then it was no. more shows right yeah. so I don't know it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about. But then when you start to hear the other side of this and these other critics or the film critics, we're going to read a couple here in a second. Um, it makes you really think about it. And like which side of this line that's been drawn in the sand should we sort of uh, stand on? Well, I want to take it back because okay. on, a, on a previous episode of, of this show last fall, last winter, I believe it's November time frame. We specifically talked about NATO yeah. and how the theater organization was driving this. And there was a specific conversation we had around Reed Hastings, and who's the CEO of Netflix, and his response to NATO saying that Netflix doesn't want their movies in the theaters. He vehemently said, no, we absolutely do, but we're going to put them on our streaming platform the exact same day. Or whenever we release them in the theater, they're going to be on Netflix as well on for anyone to watch anywhere. Sure. And everybody just <laughs> just lost their minds, right? Yeah. Um, so it, that that to me is kind of the crux of this whole thing. I think Netflix does want their stuff in the theaters. I don't think it's a publicity stunt. Of course, as you just said, the end game is always about money, and whether that's coming in directly through eyes on a product, one way or another, I think that should be the end game. And all of these arbitrary rules about what can and can't be shown and stop telling me how I'm going to consume content, please, and driving that down my throat and making me go to the theater and buy $10 Cokes and $15 hot dogs just to seize. I think that, to me, is where the evilness of this starts to get dialed up a little bit. I think this is all about money. Um, from from their side, Spielberg, of course, has, has stakes in studios of his own and production company of, of his own. And... Uh, and he doesn't have any stake in Netflix. Here's what's also happening. We have to remember that you know Netflix is now making big budget studio style films in their scope and in the the amount of talent that they're getting. I mean, you look at a movie like whether you liked it or not, the movie Bright, that thing with Will Smith and the aliens or whatever. Whether whether it was good, I didn't see it, but that that could have been released in a theater as well. Sure, sure, right. Um, they've got this Irishman movie coming, the Scorsese thing with De Niro and uh, Pesci and whoever, right? Maybe Har- is Harvey Keitel in it? Maybe somebody. I don't know. But that's like an, another, you know. 100 plus million dollar feature that's going directly to Netflix. That movie screams to be shown in a theater as well. So what does, I guess the thing that they're worried about is this, this system of, of a movie going to the theater and then them owning it and then getting the distribution and then going to DVD, you know, and, and, or iTunes or whatever it is, um, is 
is their money. So if Netflix basically comes out in a theater for a week just to get an award or two or whatever it is, but also has a bit of a, th- I guess there's two parts of it. It's the, it's a the theater owner side. And then the, the Spielberg Nolan sort of side of the argument. Do you come out and you, you get the theatrical, maybe, uh, uh, acumen, not acumen, uh, awards, uh, is that your goal there? Or is your goal there to put the movie out in the theater to get more money? So more people see it. And then if they want to watch it again, they got to be a Netflix subscriber, which again is about getting more money. I, I think at the end of the day, if you ask most directors, the, the end game for them is to see is to have the most people see their product to see what they've created. Regardless of how it got there, regardless of how they, whether they watched it on an iPhone or an IMAX screen, yeah, um, I, I think either way that sh- is the end goal. The money thing is the money thing. It is what it is. Of course, we all aspire to make more money, right? Yeah. But whether that comes from Netflix or whether that comes from a studio paying you a salary and maybe getting points on distribution or something like that, uh, royalties on the back end, I, you're going to get your money. So if it's about money, I almost want to just erase money from the conversation because okay. you're going to get paid. Yeah, It's about whether or not Netflix films or what we professionally know as SVOD, streaming video on demand, can and should or should not be considered for the Academy Awards. And I think the more... I'm starting to lean towards yes. I'm, as we as we said previously, we're going to come to the end of this, but I'm, as we talk more about this, I'm starting to lean towards yes, they absolutely should be because a movie is a movie is a movie. It's 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 a it's the it's the germination of an idea that somebody wrote. It has f all to do with the logistics of the operational nature of how it got to somebody's eyeballs. Right. You know what I mean. So I guess that's where I'm coming down on it. Is yeah, absolutely it should because it's a movie. But if you say that, I understand NATO's counterpoint or even the Academy's counterpoint of we can't possibly watch every single film that was submitted to us, regardless of where it came from. There have to be some criteria. The problem is. I don't see criteria anywhere in the official rules from Oscars.org that specifies the, a theatrical release. I'm sensing that it's also a bit of a pro- protection of the prestige of the Oscar. Um, and I think that uh, Netflix and Amazon is being looked at potentially by those two people and the theater distribution company as sort of like a... Um, disruptive. It's disruptive, but it's also like the the minor leagues. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, see that. But okay. I, you see what I'm getting at. They're That's like, the latest, like, but it kind of fits. But, but, but it feels like it, right? Yeah. So there's like the big leagues of like these are the. But here's the thing: you've got a a list big time directors and big time cinematographers and big time actors and you know you have all of the talent that's doing these movies within the studio system that are going to be Academy Award possible. Also doing this for Netflix. It's not like you're you're getting the B list or the minor league players to make these movies. You're bringing in the A list to do this stuff. So because it's showing on a TV screen, it's now it's supposed to be for an Emmy. That's what they're getting at. I think there's an interesting angle here as well, where there's the people that make the films and there's the people that have made a living, so to speak, or have made a name for themselves around critiquing films. But in a much more critical way than we do here on this podcast, they are officially syndicated reviewers and critics of film properties that come out. So we we picked out some, you know, some what thoughts of from critics about what they thought about these comments and what they thought of. So uh, let's read a few of these here. Um, the first one being from Jude Dry of IndieWire, really well known critic uh, from IndieWire.com. Quote. Netflix notoriously does not release its numbers, meaning its viewership numbers, uh, so it's impossible to say. Outside of the film world bubble, I think Netflix's primary identity is still as a host of bingeable TV shows. If Netflix movies were better, 
maybe it would be taken more seriously as a film platform, but the fact remains that the film programming just isn't very good, end quote. Let's talk about that, because I think there he's judging the, the quality of content coming out of Netflix more so than the process of getting nominated for an Academy Award, and that's specifically why I wanted to read that one. Yeah. There's already coming out of the critic community a preconceived notion, as you just said, that Netflix's inferior right. product compared to, even though it's being made by all the same A-list people, uh, it's still it's an inferior product of some sort. Is that an education thing that we're going to have to do, or is it just elitist on top of the mountain wanting to keep stay on top of the mountain kind of stuff? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, there is the elitist wanting to stay on top of the mountain, and yes, the, the programming for a Netflix... Uh, might not be on par with, but you can't tell me that the makeup in Bright isn't Academy Award worthy. Sure, it I is. agree with that. It absolutely is. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't even seen it, but I'm telling you that it is. If Suicide Squad won for me, for best makeup, which it did, then the stuff that they did in Bright, which is very similar, could also be nominated for an Academy Award. I don't know if we're protecting like the best picture or the best director because it's two directors that came out and said that, or if we're protecting the entire thing because that's the real question. Well, let's look at another one. This is from Christopher Campbell of Film School Rejects. Quote, movies is movies, I say. <laughs> kind of akin to what I was just yeah, saying a yeah. second ago. Uh, anything of feature length of any genre or distribution model should be acceptable for consideration for movie awards. Perhaps the real issue is not with the Oscars, but with the Emmys. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe they need to back off of honoring films. Meaning the Emmys. At the Emmys. Yeah. Even those aired with commercial breaks and especially documentaries. End quote. Again, Christopher Campbell of Film School Rejects. So this is interesting. Yes. This is probably one of the most interesting quotes is maybe we don't change the Oscars and stop hyper-focusing on that process, but maybe we look at where the overlap is and we can really define what covers what. Yeah. So should Oscars just cover movies and Emmys just cover TV? Not a bad idea. Yeah. That's what it's sort of supposed to be. Yeah. Right? But is that TV on, on released on televisions, or is that movies released on televisions, or is that TV shows that you maybe watch in a different format? I don't know. That Again, it's undefined. And I, I don't think we've had this conundrum in the past. I, and I think he hit on something there. It's it, Netflix is notorious for its bingeable TV shows, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. But those are TV programs. All of that, right? Yeah. And you can go back and watch legacy content like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul and sure. all of this stuff, but right? those aren't movies. Those are not movies. Correct. Yeah. And Nor are they going to be considered or even offered up yeah. uh, for Academy Awards. So, I, again, I, I keep struggling with this back and forth. Uh, we've got one more here from Richard Brody of The New Yorker. Uh, quote, a movie is an idea. It's whatever could play in a theater. Whether it ever plays there or not is a matter of happenstance. When Steven Spielberg defends theatrical distribution, he's defending his realm of the powerful, the wealthy, and the established against upstarts whose movies may be much better but don't get studio financing or distribution. Hell, he even has a movie theater in his house. Of course he does. But I mean, of course he does. Yeah, that's, I would too if I had Steven Spielberg money. Sure, but I mean that's that's correct in what he said. Yes, but that's also it's also like almost borderline like um, too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he's he's defending this. Of course he's defending that. But I think that that goes against kind of what we're trying to get to the bottom of here, which is what defines the movie. And if and if we're gonna just have an award show called the Oscars that's for movies, maybe we just do 
theatrical release movies, best picture, and we do um, uh, video on demand, best picture. So the Amazons and the Netflixes can get in. Here's another example that I want to bring up. Like, let's say, uh, let's say you and I make uh, an independent film, right? And you're the writer and I'm the director or vice versa, right? We take it to Sundance and all these studios start, they want it, right? And they want to get it so they can release it theatrically and distribute it on their own through the theater organization, right? Yeah. The thing is now Netflix and Amazon can compete for that. It happened with Manchester by the Sea. I believe they bought that movie after it was made. Maybe not or something. It was, along, it was made as an or, indie film. Sure, I think was, Jeff Bezos wrote a million dollar check and they got it. Okay. But that's a different thing. What I'm saying here, what I'm saying here is like, if there's like uh, clerks, let's say, right. Or, or something along those lines, a small independent feature that could have a, a shot at like a best picture because of some amazing performance or some amazing thing that nobody's seen before. If, if the Netflix uh, vault opens up and they buy it, then do those people have no option to get a best picture just because Netflix bought them instead of Sony or net or instead of Disney? I think that that's sucks. not, that's I, that's what I'm getting at. That's not fair to the filmmaker, right? If you're going to get awards, get the awards and get the most prestigious award from the most prestigious work. And I, I don't, it doesn't like, matter where it goes. Sure. I'm making my opinion right now, but go ahead. I, I don't like the segregation. That's the word I keep coming back to. It's we're segregating in between the elite uh, of the uh, elite pantheon of, a-listers and the studio system, as I do air quotes, right? And the lesser three-fifths of a person that is Netflix and you know Amazon or whatever streaming service you think it is. Hulu makes original movies. Sure. They, or they finance them, at least. I don't know if they're making them like a studio, but I, I, don't, I, I don't think there needs to be a segregation there. A, a movie is a movie is a movie, and if, it, if it's not good enough, it's not going to get picked. Let it stand on its own merits. Yeah. So... I, I've made my decision. I, I'm I'm at a, I'm at a point now where yeah, I I I don't want there to be this defining factor of whether or not a theatrical release is going to dictate whether or not my movie was good enough to contend against the likes of Dunkirk, Shape of Water, etc. Right? Yeah. If, if I want my film to stand on its own merits, not how much money I had backing it that would it marketed enough to uh, warrant a theatrical distribution. Right. From can or something like that. The the difference here that we're that we're getting into, and I agree with everything you just said. I think the difference that we're getting into is that we're we're turning this into again large corporation basically keeping the little guy down. That's happening across the globe right now, right? Yeah. Just in general. So independent filmmakers are are going to struggle to get this prestigious award unless they've made their independent film and then get into the studio system and then you basically do the carbon copy you have the big marketing push behind it you you know we we both know we both know how the uh, award system works it's it's money based it's fine dinners based to get people to get your votes just like politics just like anything else it's it's given to us on television as this fun thing where everybody puts on their fancy clothes and we walk down a carpet and somebody wins and yay right to even be nominated is an, is an amazing achievement to win it is even more so, especially now for Best Picture. You, now you've got a one in 10 shot. Tell me why. Why is it prestigious? Tell me why it's such an enormous deal to win a, a, a Best Picture award. Because there's only 90 that have done it in the history of films. It's okay. just, it's, it, to me, it would be like a, a sports star getting into the Hall of Fame. There's only a certain number of people who are good enough to get there, right? Does that make sense? In any category. It doesn't mean director, picture, writing. It could be makeup. It could be sound effects. It could be editing. It could be anything. That says you're the best. Okay. You're the best. And it's not it's not just something that the movie and TV people compete for. It's something everybody competes for. Everybody that has any sort of competitive drive or any sort of like will to succeed or get their message out is trying to be the best. So I have a, I have a kind of a rhetorical question here I want to ask you. You're in a guild. Yes. Correct. Which guild are you in? I'm in the Directors Guild of America. Okay. You're in the DGA. So 
I think it's important to note how most of these nominations come to be uh, and how the voting is accomplished throughout the guilds. This is through the process of screeners, ah. which have only been these little niche specific boards and guilds every year at the end of the year you get this mountain of screener dvds right they're not even blu-rays half of them i don't even watch right which sure but for decades now this has kind of been the process whether that was vhs or dvd whatever they are today now it's even an online streaming streaming sure you're not going to the theater to see all of these movies to make a determination. I have the ability to. I'm allowed to, as a guild member, go to a theater and, and present my guild card, and they and I say, I want to go see Manchester by the Sea, and they say, go on in, sir, right? And they okay. let me in. So I can do it that way if I want to, but that's really difficult. Yeah. They try to make it easier for you so they can get this thing into your house. You don't have to leave your house, which is what Netflix is already doing with their movies. I was going to say, it right? sounds familiar, right? Yeah, so <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost hypocritical in a way. It is... Oh. That's why I said it was rhetorical. It's 100% hypocritical for them to kind of define these elitist standards that you have to have money and backing and distribution in the theaters in order to qualify for even getting nominated uh, as being a potential nominee, much less winning or anything like that, when the process to select who gets there is Netflix, right. essentially, right. quote-unquote. I, I don't know. I am, I am 100% on board with what I said earlier. Uh, I do not think... If this is the way things have always been, I understand tradition and legacy, but things need to evolve. This whole idea of keeping people down from the product that they've put, poured their heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears, and their own money sometimes, most of the time, sometimes, most of the times, yeah. uh, into these projects, and somehow found an aggregator or something like like that. Luckily, that they could spend, they had to pay fifteen hundred bucks or whatever to get their thing onto iTunes and hope that they make some of that money back that they poured into it. But at least, hey, look, I got my thing on iTunes or I got my thing on yeah. Netflix. That is, that's kind of, most filmmakers think that's kind of the end game is where they think that, okay, now everybody can watch what I have created. Yeah. End of list. Instead of here's this thing we want you to watch that we're going to get this guy and this guy and this guy to make for you. Bingo. That's what it is. And I, I, I agree with you on that, but I think my model in my head is still the, Keep the Oscars how they are, and I think you should differentiate between best picture that's theatrical release and best picture that's uh, video on demand. Okay, so let's let's har- let's hone in on that for a second. And I think you take you take film or long form movie completely out of the Emmys and just make it about television sh- series. One hundred percent agree with that part of it, but I want to go back to what you just said, where you separate the two between whether it's streaming or so you're basically you're deciding a best picture based on distribution model. Yes. Okay. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be uh, Netflix or Amazon. That puts HBO back in the conversation. That puts um, NBC. Showtime, NBC yeah. makes a I don't know uh, Jesus the movie or something like that, and it's really good. And it had commercials. Oh well. And then they want that to to be nominated for best picture. I think it should be in the TV side or in the it's theatrical or something else. Does that make sense? Theatrical and everything else. Right. So what do you say about where's the line? How long does that distribution need to be? Can Amazon sneak in the back door for a week in New York and L.A. and have a theatrical distribution? If that's the rule or the criteria that's been set, yes. Until they change that, until they say like it needs to have a theatrical run until people stop going to see it. You know, just like you would for for the for the theater organization that's just kind of like nobody's going to see uh, um, Manchester by the Sea anymore. We're going to pull it, and now this movie's coming out this week. All right, now you're starting a whole different kind of conversation. But that's in my what head I'm getting at. But that's what I'm getting at. What about these movies that are making a billion dollars? Wonder Woman, Star Wars, Avengers movies, all that stuff that are getting no recognition at the Academy Awards. They're getting the People's Choice Award. That's what they want. Okay, that's well, what they want. All right. So 
if the end goal of getting a theatrical release is to make money back towards the production to cover debt and things like that, so A, people see it, B, they make money so that they can sell their product. That's essentially right. what they're doing. The right? business models of the two sides are completely different, but the, the end result is all about the awards and accolades that people in our industry just seem to need. You know, and every, but it's not just ours, but everybody yeah. wants that. So that's 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 my take on it. I think you take the TVs out of or you take the films out of Emmys and you figure out a way to differentiate in the Oscars. And I mean, the Golden Globes does it. There's best picture for uh, drama and, and then there's best picture for musical and comedy. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to say don't don't separate it and don't differentiate it, Golden Globes have been doing it for years. Well, OK, it sounds like we're at a bit of a fisticuffs then because it's we're so we need to know what the listeners think. Um, I think I don't. I don't want any kind of segregation. To me, a movie is a movie is a movie is a movie. I think we're both there. I think we're both with that. But you're you're awarding the the B team for yeah. for their B team. Yeah, I am, and, and and I'm a part of the B team of television. The losers bracket. I get it. I you get know? it. Yeah, sure. If you want to say it's that. <laughs> um, I also think that uh, the awards, while they're great, and I have one, um, it, it's it's great to have that and have that sort of prestige. It's it's think it's in a weird way yes it's nice to say that you're an academy award winning blah 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 blah. but you're doing it and a studio is doing it and when you slap that on something guess what it does it makes you more marketable which means more money yeah that's why we see every time i don't want oscar award winning i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to um belittle the award system at all but i want to break it down and be pragmatic about it and that's what it actually is yeah i'm not taking away that moment when somebody gets a statue and gets to say a really cool speech but at the end of the day Nobody can take that away from them, but at the same time, you can use that as a tool to either further your own career or a studio can use it to make more money. Sure, but you're limiting the pe- the access of the people that have the, access to that in order to further their career, and you're just completely closing correct. in that inner circle even more. And correct. By and doing just, that, and just like an independent person, if you have a if you have a Universal or a Fox marketing of your Best Picture nominee as opposed to a indie whatever person, uh, you're going to have more marketing and more legs behind it to get it just, just like anything else. But yeah, All right. I still think it's differentiation, but it's, it's a good, it's a good that we agree to disagree on. Yes. Yes. That's very rare that that actually happens. Um, listeners, we want to know what you guys think. What do you think should qualify a film to be able to be nominated for an Academy award? And we'd love to understand what your differentiation of of where those cookies crumble, uh, I guess, is the way that I want to say that. Andy, we're back. Oh, it's been, We are yeah. back. It has been three months. Man, it's been a long three months. I have missed you. I hope you've had fun. I know you've been working like a dog. That's true. Um, I have not seen you but three or four times maybe in the last 90 days. About the same as much as my family, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been in town. I haven't even been out of town. You've been 10 minutes down the Living street? in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's been, it's been an exciting three months. Um, you know, I don't want to say it's been exciting without you, but it's been an exciting three months for all of the shows in orbital jigsaw. Uh, I do miss, and I have missed doing this one. I'm excited. We're back. Uh, I feel like it's a needed professional voice coming out of Los Angeles that we don't really have coming from anywhere else. And I, I'm hoping that uh, that we can just ramp things right back up to where they were when we left off. We told you guys we'd be back in March. We're about a week late. Yeah. A few days late. Yeah. But we're back full time. Andy, what have you been up to, man? Tell us all about why you had to disappear for three months. There's a show that uh, was on NBC last summer called World of Dance. Think of like uh, So You Think You Can Dance or one of those big time variety dance shows that's on a network. 
And so um, I was asked to do season two of World of Dance for NBC. And it's, nice. it was a big, cool deal. And um, I was in charge of the, the sort of backstage element of that, but also interfaced with the big front of house uh, variety program part of that. So I was uh, a stage manager on it, essentially, and, and coordinated a bunch of stuff. The thing about that show is you have 165, um, you know, you can have as many as 400 to 500 people in there at a time in a day, and you have to rotate all these people through. And um, the show itself doesn't stop just when you're shooting one there's another group getting ready and learning their choreography. So you're also sort of responsible for all of that happening at the same time. So as a result, and by the way, the show will be on in, um, in May, right? Yeah. May, you should see some promos for it already. Um, but it was, it was a big hit for NBC last summer. Um, and it's, it was a really fun show to work on. I'm not, you know, I'm not a dancer at all, but the things that I've seen these people do, and I think I've shown you a couple of promos, the show is going to be really cool. Nice. Um, Jennifer Lopez, Neo, uh, Derek Huff from Dancing with the Stars, and uh, Jenna Dewan Tatum are the are the big name talent in it, and they were just a pleasure to work with. Um, but yeah, it was three months of seven days on, one day off, seven days on, one day off, seven days on, one day off, and like it was. So I, I think I had like six days of not working between January second and about last Friday. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So um, in the in the limited time that I got, I was trying to focus on being with the kids and, and everything as much as I could. But at the same time, even on our off days, we're still kind of working because yeah. there's stuff actually happening, even though I technically had a day off. So it's a grind as far as like the, just the workload that you have, but it, the end product and the people that I worked with, and it was just a lot of fun. And it was fun going to work at Universal Studios every day. That was pretty cool, you know? So um, other driving, than driving that- Driving past Amblin yeah, every other day. Other than that, I missed everything. I didn't see any movies. I didn't do much- um, I'm happy that baseball's back, but I've started watching The Wire. Finally, I'm so excited it's about this. So good. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> the girls are out of town this weekend, and um, uh, I, I just have been watching it like crazy, and I can't stop it. And I'm angry at myself for not watching it before. I know you've recommended it. Also, with them being out of town, I've got a little more video game time, yeah, which I nice. also did not get during all that. So I had a bit of like a, a withdrawal from the video game addiction. So um, you've, you've been binging the last few days. Yeah, but I've been being a pirate. Have you heard of the Sea of Thieves game? Yar, oh, yes, man. I have. Oh man. I can't recommend that enough. <laughs> I know our buddy Cleet's doing live streams yeah. on it and talking like a pirate the entire time. It's, it's 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 pretty funny. It's a crazy social experiment. This game where it's not you can progress kind of, but it's not about getting better guns or anything like we've normally been used to in like video games like this or like making your pirate better. It's just about being on a boat with your friends and trying to get stuff. And maybe you could run into it's like an open world sailing thing, and the sailing mechanics are really cool. Like you got to raise the sails and turn the sails into the wind and. You got to go find treasure on islands and there's maps and it's, it's just a fun booty. Exactly. One other thing I do want to bring up is uh, luckily on Saturday night, you and I got to go again. We full disclosure, we're huge baseball fans. We yes. did go to the Dodger game yes. game three of the season for them opening weekend. Yeah. So we took, uh, we took the Metro express in to be uh, uh, ec- uh, ecologically friendly yes. uh, to the environment here in Los Angeles to not contribute to more smog. So it was great. So we take a we take a bus from uh, Union Station right to the stadium. It lets us off. Instead of paying thirty dollars for parking, we paid like a buck seventy five to get on the metro line and then this bus. Fantastic. But the one issue, we'll tell you this story. Nick Olivesi knows it because he was there. Was when we get out of the stadium, we go to where the bus is supposed to pick people up, and there is a line like uh, with a queue that's like people are waiting for the next Star Wars movie. That's how many people were waiting for these buses, and the traffic getting out is not allowing all these buses to get in. We there stood, had to be have been a thousand people in that easily. Line. So we stood in this line for some thirty five minutes, and then finally the floodgates open, and like suddenly off, like over the ravine, you see like these four buses that say Dodger Express start coming around the, the bend. And I like, started hearing Flight of the Valkyries, yeah. and, <laughs> and everybody in this everybody in this line of these thousand people just started, like, yeah! and there was much rejoicing. Right, cheering I, for buses. I know. I have not seen people cheer for 
for a bus like this since 1994 when I saw Speed in the movie theater. Yes. <laughs> it, yes. Was, it was amazing. Nice. We finally got home, and uh, yeah, what a great experience to be in the ballpark, have a couple of hot dogs and beers. Good yes. times. Good times. Good times, for sure. Uh, hey, I've been watching Looming Tower. Have you heard of this show no, on uh, Netflix? No. It, or on uh, Hulu, I should say. It's a Hulu original series. And it's set or in the mid to late 90s is where they started out. But it's about the FBI and CIA and national defense of the events leading up to 9-11. Okay. And it's uh, Jeff uh, Daniels. It's his next big newsroom kind of role. And he's kind of spearheading this show. He's the uh, one of the heads of the FBI. And he's leading this division that is focused on Al-Qaeda and all of those terrorist th- happenings around the world. They go over the USS Cole. And it kind of just portrays it's based on loosely based on the actual events that took place uh, and I'm wondering if the culmination of the season or of the series is going to get to 9-11 because I'm wondering if that's still too fresh yeah it feels like it is to me to be making I, I was not happy about Ollie doing uh, 9-11 and there's been a couple of other documentary things yeah. that have had it's still too fresh for me even almost 20 years later yeah I'm not ready to see that shit yet. So I'm watching it because I love watching Def- Jeff Daniels act. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going, Ugh, I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. Hmm. So that's the one that I've been watching from a TV series kind of standpoint. No real new movies. I know the girlfriend and I are working our way through the, uh, the Marvel catalog because she's never seen any of them. So it's a treat wow. for me. Because I get to go watch 15 Marvel movies or more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's it, I love bringing someone that has no idea about the world, thought they would hate the movies, and then come in and introduce them to this Marvel world, Marvel universe that we have now, and just kind of explaining them certain things to them, and then just seeing them get excited about it. Go, yeah. oh, yeah, that's cool. You and should she, save yourself two hours and avoid Thor Dark World. We're going to. Good, uh, good. So far, we've done Captain America, the first Avenger, and <laughs> the first two Iron Man movies. So, so far, we've gotten up to like Nick Fury and ScarJo. That's cool. kind of where we're at right now. And next, we're going to do, we, we skipped The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, uh, I yeah. Just, uh, it's, Show the it's, button. It's completely skippable. You don't even really need to see the button uh, because the character of Ross is portrayed completely differently down, down the road. Yep. And there's a big article I'll post on the Facebook page, for, I think from IGN, that breaks this down in excruciating detail. Yeah, I want to see that. Uh, including discrete episodes within Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, and Agent Peggy Carter to weave everything in. So that's a fun kind of experiment. Uh, video game-wise, I'm very excited to try to see if Thieves. I just haven't turned my Xbox on in like two months. <laughs> Uh, because I got kind of tired of Destiny, because I went back to the heroin crack addiction known as World of Warcraft. Huh. It drew me back in just when I thought I was out. <laughs> it drew me back in. Now, I'm having fun playing that again. I think Legion is one of the best expansions that they've done in a really long time, and I'm having fun playing, doing some completionist kind of stuff, checking off some achievements with friends, and that's really what that comes down to. Last and certainly not least, uh, since we've been gone, uh, I am officially a represented voice actor well done, in Los sir. Angeles. It has taken a year to get all of those boxes checked and I's dotted and T's crossed, but we're done. And I've been doing auditions for the past few months. Yeah. And uh, all of those are going well. Of course, all of them are NDA and you can't talk about a single one of them. Yep. Uh, until they actually get out there. So uh, if one makes it out there, I'll let you guys know. That's fantastic news to hear about from you. And hopefully you get a few quick hits. All right, bringing back the quick hits as we normally do. Ready Player One is Spielberg's best opening since Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. No, 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 no. We don't call it that. We call it the movie that shall not be named. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Uh, it is Steven Spielberg's best opening since I don't know what to call it. The movie that shall never the be spoken that of shall again. Not be named. Yeah. How much did it make? Uh, what was it? Fifty-two million or something? I think uh, yes. over the weekend, it, uh, including the Thursday numbers, and I think it's up to one hundred eighty-one worldwide. So good opening for that. Yeah. Well, what did the movie, movie which that shall not be named make? Don't care. Do don't, we even not care? Don't care. Okay. Have no it care. It needs to be lit, yeah. thrown in the trash. It and needs burned. to just be eliminated from history. Is that because of Shia LaBeouf? I, I don't even want to have this discussion right now. Okay. I, don't even get me down this path, please. Um, hey, speaking of Ready Player One, you should go check out our bonus review in episode yes. 61. We just saw it a couple hours ago, and we went ahead and did a bonus review of just that. Again, we hope you've seen it before you listen to this, because we just break it down and just talk about everything. So uh, if you've seen it and you want to hear what we think about it, definitely go listen to uh, episode 61, which is probably going to be up at the same time this one is. Yes. Uh, next up, Jurassic World 3 will now also be directed by Colin Trevorrow. Right. He took off this movie that's coming out because he was supposed to go do this other big movie called Star Wars Episode Nine. Whoops. And then his other movie came out and bombed. And then they were like, no, 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 no. We're going to go with that Abrams guy. He's good. Yeah. And they're just like, well, you did really well with Jurassic World 1. We'll just give you Jurassic World 3. He's like, okay. Okay, with dinosaurs again. Yeah. Yeah, Good for you. Good for you, Colin Trevorrow. Uh, We are on the edge of our seats. Waiting to see with bated breath Avengers Infinity War, which we are now Could that be the a new hype train? Of weeks away. Is that the new hype train? It's oh, too God. late. We only got three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's too 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 late to be doing a hype train for that one. Uh, but the hype is real, folks. Yes, we we saw the trailer for me the first time on the big screen today uh, for Ready Player One. It was it was accompanying that. Uh, oh, I saw it on Black Panther, which was good, by the way. Oh. I did get to see that during my oh, during my nice. long time. I have not seen that one yet. I'll probably wait. It's good. On that one. It's good. Uh, Netflix dropped surprise out of nowhere in the last couple of weeks a trailer for their new series that's starting April thirteenth. I know they do that. Lost in space, like that looks awesome. And then they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, it starts tomorrow. We're like, oh great, you know, like you get all excited about it. Yeah. Um, I was nervous that this would be like the movie Lost in Space, that Will Ferrell, Danny McBride thing that was just terrible. Yes. But they didn't go that way. They went more like sci-fi. It looks like it has a bit of a um, like a Mass Effect element to it with the way that the costumes yeah. are and like the Nomad. It looks like legit sci-fi. Like, um, And I'm, the only sci-fi show I've been watching recently is The Expanse, which I think you started as well. New season coming, New by the way. New season coming almost the same time this is coming. So we're going to have a lot of sci-fi stuff to watch in April if I can yes. finish The Wire. <laughs> Oh, last but certainly not least, there is currently an online petition this week to cast Meryl Streep as Princess Leia in Episode Nine. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> nothing from Disney to no, debunk it, but it's 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 a strong online petition. The argument is that uh, they want to have her uh, be in the movie, obviously still in some way, but they're not going to digitally recreate her. So the Star Wars fans online have started a petition saying, hey, it should be Meryl Streep stepping in to play Carrie Fisher because of the connection that they had with Postcards from the Edge back in the day. I could see it. I don't want it to happen. It wouldn't surprise me if it did, if this petition gets enough legs and Disney's like, hmm, people don't seem to mind it. I guess we could do it. But at this point, if they did that, they'd have to rewrite it unless they've already made this decision. We just don't know yet because the script's done, according to J.J., so, oh, one more thing. I, I want nothing to do with I that, don't, by I don't, the way. I don't either. I don't either, but, you know, we don't have control of these things. One more thing. We haven't done this, uh, and we, uh, we, should, we should just honor uh, NBC Universal right now for actually letting World of Dance come to an end so I could be back to do this show again. Yes. So we will give NBC Universal the Stone Cold Salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Well, guys, that is our show for this week. Andy, it is fantastic 
to be back doing with this this with you again, man. It's weird. It feels like we never left. You know, right? I, mean, I agree. Uh, I know it's been a long time, and a lot of people have been asking, "When are you going to do it again? When are you going to do it again?" And we've been, we, trust me, we've wanted to. It's just that schedules have not finally aligned until now. And as soon as we could do it, we got right back into it because yep. we missed it too. We missed you. We hope you missed us. Um, this has been fun. Well, you can find this and all of our other shows over at orbitaljigsaw.com. You can find this show on Facebook at facebook.com slash official concession stand, or come follow us on Twitter at concession stand and let us know what you thought about the episode. Come on over, hang out with us. Let us know your thoughts. Leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us those five stars. Let us know what you think. And if you like what we're doing, head over to patreon.com slash concession stand, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar for us, or you can even sign up to do your very own stone cold salute right here on an upcoming episode. Wow. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at data center dude. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at Andy Nelson 76 also on Twitter, but until next week later, bye. This show is part of the orbital jigsaw network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.